Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ted Smith and Steve Mix. You are now entering the Megacast. Hey, this is an exciting episode of the Megacast, Ted. Oh, yeah. If, if those that don't remember the history of the Megacast, it was brought together by you, me, our robot, Grace. Well, Grace maybe wasn't even on board at first. I think she was. I think she was. Our perverted Australian robot that you hear from time to time. But the, what got us going with the Megacast was one man and one man only, Sully Erna from Godsmack. Yeah, it's full circle, right? We yeah. got together to do the interview with him the one time, and now here we are again. Still doing it. How many years later have we been doing this? Dude, that's a good question. I wonder when we interviewed, you know, if I type in, that's, so we're going to be talking to Sully Erna if you didn't realize that. Yeah, like, from Godsmack. Yeah, I mean, probably on the title of this episode. So it's always funny when like someone teases something on a podcast, but it's like, it's on your title. Why are you trying to hide the mystery of a guest? Yeah, and like regular radio, you can tease stuff because you want people to come back after commercials. Right. But in a podcast, it's tough because they can just skip ahead. You're just stuck with us. <laughs> Let's see. June 5th, 2014. All right, so it's been five years. We're coming up on five years. Wow. Yes, I knew my podcast had been over five years. Dude, legit, I thought maybe we've been doing this for about three or so years. Five years we've been doing this mega cast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. That's like the other night I realized I've been working cage sport MMA for seven. Seven years. Yeah. Man, where is the time going, bro? Well, <laughs> straight to my hip, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so Sully's going to be joining us in about five minutes. So why don't we get some push-ups out of the way? We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about what he's doing. I've, I've got some audio of him explaining what he's doing, but it's actually something really cool, and it hits home for a lot of us. Uh, and I was genuinely surprised that that he was a part of it. Not that I thought that it would be something that he's not a part of, but it's cool that he's he's... He's being vocal about mental health and mental illness and just trying to make, you know, break the stigma of people being afraid to talk about it. So that's going to be pretty awesome to talk to him. But I figure what better way to get things going than to get the heart race and the blood pumping in the brain? Functioning. That's right, because it's good for the brain sometimes to get a good workout. It is. We're usually pretty positive in here. Yeah. I mean, that's our thing, too, right? You know what also makes me feel good is... I'm Steve Miggs, and you stink. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we're all about positivity. I'm Steve Biggs, and you stink. <laughs> I mean it in the most loving way possible, Ted. Oh, I know. That just, that, Steve, that is gold right there, buddy. Should I start calling, like, people that, that my, my stinkers? You're my little stinkers. Yeah. Like Hulkamaniacs? Get in here, you little stinker. <laughs> By the way, when we're done with Sully, please remind me to talk about the wrestling show on Vice Land. Good. Okay. I'm excited to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get 10 mega family. I'll turn this up. Oh, yeah. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, here we go. Big build. Big build. I love that someone might be tuning in because they're a big Godsmack fan. And now it's just two dudes doing push-ups to EDM music. <laughs> and one guy has his own intro music. Yes. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> You're right. Somebody tuning in for the first time, they love Godsmack. It's like, what in the heck is this podcast? <laughs> right? I don't understand. This is what they've been doing for five years? Sully, Erna brought these two together? Right? Like, so, Sully, how long have you known them? I, I don't know those guys. I have no idea. I take no ownership of their podcast or those guys. Well, most people don't understand this, especially, you know, if you're in the Seattle area, you're a West Coaster. Sully's from Boston. Steve's from Brooklyn. I'm from D.C. All East Coasters know each other. Yeah. There's not that many of us over there. It's a mom and pop operation we're running. I'm putting you on the, t- on the spot, Ted. Ted Talks. Ah! Starring the Tex-Med. Full disclosure. We're doing this a day early. We weren't even planning. We we're just going to record the Sully thing and then do the rest of it tomorrow. But we're like, oh, crap, there's a bunch of stuff going on tomorrow. Why don't we just bang out the whole podcast? So I didn't even let Ted know to have a TED Talk ready. No, and I do not. But, you know, Sully's here to talk about mental health and uh, being honest with yourself about if you're suffering from it. So I think that's what TED Talk today will be about. Just be honest, right? So whether it's with yourself, uh, with somebody you're in a relationship with, with, you know, a- any kind of relationship, friendship, romantic, work, just just. Just be honest, man. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times the hardest person to be honest with you is, is yourself, right? You can lie about the, you know, I don't, for me, it's like, oh, I can, I can eat this food. I worked out yesterday. Yeah, but are you undoing something? You know, like uh, sometimes it's easy to take the easy way out and maybe yeah. that doesn't help you feel better the next day. So, you know, really, you know, be honest. That's, that's a good point because I, I do sometimes struggle with that when I do have like a good workout or a good wrestling training. And I'm like, man, we went hard this night. And I remember I got done on Sunday, and I was like feeling really good. My back hurt a little bit, but that's because I pulled it, changing the sheets. It had nothing to do with wrestling. Oh. Um, you know how those yeah. are. But I was like, you know what? Man, that was a good workout. I should get myself a Dick's Deluxe. Nice. Fries. I didn't do it. Because I was all like, right. you know what? All I'm doing is going back to, I'm putting on more, you know, it's like a vicious cycle. It's like I bust my ass, and then I reward myself every time. Well, then I'm just basically breaking even. If not, I'm hurting myself because I'm eating worse. So I had a couple of peanuts that were in my car, and I felt good about myself. Yeah, dude, I'm with you. I do it all the time. Like, if I have, like, a, a session with my trainer, and it's like, that was a super workout. We can go out and eat with it. And it's like, no, we can't. No, because then you and defeated then is, it. And don't get me wrong. There is sometimes you've been eating good for, like, there is times to reward yourself. Don't get me wrong. Oh, don't get but me yeah. yeah, I mean, when we go to Portland in a couple of weeks, I'm going to reward myself all weekend. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I know I'm not going to be eating healthy. Yeah, but sometimes it's just, it's just simple things for me, right? Like, I have a bunch of buddies. You might be like, hey, like, a, I don't know, it's a Wednesday night. You want to go get beers or something? And then I got to be like, well, that would be fun. But also, like, how's that going to make me feel on Thursday? Like, yep. is this worth it? And yeah, and, and then just I, being I, I just like to remind myself, I'm like, you know, as soon as I finish eating this, I'm going to look at myself and be like, why did I do that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I do that so often. I'm like, I got to stop being that guy. Even the other day, I was like, I did a bunch of stuff. I'm like, you know what? I worked out. I feel good. I kind of want a Whopper. And I was about to go get one, you know, I said, I had to go stop in, at Safeway to get something. I'm like, you know what? I kind of now want chicken fingers. And I said, no. And I got a little tub of cantaloupe. And All right. I felt good about it. Yeah. And even sometimes just stuff for like me, right? Like you might get up and be like, ah, I don't feel like going. I got a little cold or a sniffle. And then you go do the workout or you go play the sport. And you feel better. I love it. So again, someone who's listening for Sully Erna. These guys are doing techno. Now they're giving us diet tips. What yeah, is right. the, the, the picture on their webpage? Oh, the phone's calling, so I think it's going to be Sully, so let's answer right. it. Hi, this is KSW. Hey, is this Steve? Yep, this is Steve. Hey, it's Sully. How are you? My man, how you doing? You're here with me, and also Ted's here as well. Oh, what's up, man? What's up, Sully? How you been? 
battling some cold weather in Canada. I can't believe it's not summer here yet. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Sully, I hate to tell you, it's even kind of broken and gotten nice in Seattle. Dude, it's snow on the ground here. Oh, that's... I'm ready to snap. <laughs> Where in Canada are you that it's snowing? Is it Calgary? Yeah, Calgary. Freaking Calgary. <laughs> Stupid. Well, I saw that you were so just... I'm glad in... they're out of the playoffs. <laughs> boy. <laughs> What's the series at? Is it 1-1 right now with the Bruins or the Bruins? Yeah. Yeah, and they got... They play tonight again. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm excited that we get to talk to you, man, because uh, we were just talking right before you, you called in and just about what you're doing. And I was like, man, that's badass that Sully is a part of something that I think hits a lot of us and a lot of us don't talk about because there's that stigma about mental health. And I'm starting to see it more and more. People are stepping up and saying, hey, you know, it's okay to have these problems in your head and, 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 and to talk it out. That doesn't show – that's not like a sign of weakness. And I, on your website, I love that you, you even uh, call it saying we are all imperfectly perfect. I was like, man, that's a great line to sum up what a lot of us battle. I've always said embrace your flaws and not you know, hide from them. Uh, but I'd love for you to talk more about what's going on with you and, uh, and the Scars Foundation because I know here in Seattle that, 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 that's going to mean a lot to hear someone like yourself talking about mental health. Yeah, and I know that you guys battle a lot of that up there too. You know, it's one of the one of the places, one of the states that I know has a lot of issues with that. I don't know if it's you know because of the weather or what it, whatever it is that triggers a lot of this stuff with people. But it's exactly that. You know, I, I over the years I've always been trying to figure out you know where I was going to dedicate my time and my life's work to try to help and do my part. And I really struggled with it for a while because. You know, fortunately for me, I'd never been affected by losing someone in my family to cancer or AIDS or something like that. And then I started thinking, you know, when, when it all got triggered by this song, Under Your Scars. Um, and, you know, for me, I always write about stuff that happened to me personally and affected me somehow on an emotional level. And that song was really about just, you know, involved with someone and, and, and just slowly starting to understand that they had these things that they were embarrassed about or that they struggled with. And when you touch upon them, a lot of people tend to hide and go away and they don't want to deal with it. And then you lose important people in your life um, just because they don't know to say that it's okay, that we all have these things. So for me, I started thinking, you know, this is really touching on something that I have a lot of experience with growing up on the streets, being very poor, the challenges, the obstacles, being involved in drugs and gangs and, you know, crime and all this crap, like be in the streets of, uh, you know, the suburbs of Boston. And I started thinking, you know, I want to do something in this category, but I don't want to just target one category. I thought it would be better <clears throat> to try to understand this depression thing a lot more and try to target all the categories that funnel people into this depressive state of mind. So whether it be addiction or um, bullying or, you know, suicide prevention and, and uh, depression and all these different categories um, of mental illness that people suffer with, whether they're an amputee or PTSD or things like that. So we partnered up with several companies and formed this organization called Scars Foundation, which is, you know, not only going to, try to help raise money on a global level to give these experts so they can do their jobs better and, and deeper their research. Um, but we want to try to have the organization become a real voice and empower people 
to not only accept these imperfections that they have, but to understand that we all have these things and that none of us are any different from each other. And, and we want people to embrace them and show off your scars and, and tell your stories. So maybe we can empower other people and inspire them to tell their stories. And I think that's how we're going to stop chipping away at this because, you know, when it comes to physical scars, you know, a lot of people get embarrassed about them. They could have burns on their face. They could have lost a limb, whatever it is, right? And they have to change their lifestyle and, and, they, and they struggle with how to rebuild their life. But those things are physical and we can see those and we can even reach out and help or, you know, that kind of thing. But it's the silent ones that are the tough ones to flush out. And I think that's important that we target those as well because, you know, especially after losing some personal friends of mine over the years to suicide because of um, severe depression, we never even knew that these people had it. You know, like one of my best friends recently just took his life and it was something that was a shock to all of us. I didn't even know until I got the phone call that told me he was gone that we even knew he had a problem. He was that dude that always showed up, had a smile on his face, positive attitude, an amazingly creative artist, did a lot of the Godsmack album covers, a lot of our T-shirt designs, super talented kid. And then one day he's gone. And then we find out that, you know, he was on meds to help, you know, this depression that he battled. And, you know, he ran out and he was trying to break the pills in half and save them and then didn't reach out and ask anyone for help or let us know, which everyone in my world would have helped this kid out because he was so well liked. And then, you know, next thing you know, they just spiral out and that's that. And so I was thinking, you know, this is the, this is the toughest one. So if we can become something even more than a foundation that helps raise money, but becomes a real voice for the people who don't have a voice for this and help them become empowered, inspired to understand that you're not alone in this thing. I think that's how we can start making these situations more visible. And that's kind of what we're focused on. So like all the, uh, all the work you're doing here and, and, and I, I, I applaud it. It's great because I mean, depression's, terrible in the way it takes you know it affects vets young people old people it could affect anybody what would you say to somebody that's going through a tough time what would your first piece of advice be for them my first piece is always the same thing that, that get me snowballing into the right direction which was get it out of your box because when you suffer in silence you feel or you you think people think it's stupid but for me, when it started back, actually spawned the whole idea. Oh, Sully, we're losing you. Oh, we we lost you for a second. I don't know if like you're in a tunnel or something like that. It just kind of got all like staticky and broke up. How's that? Is that better? Much oh, better. Much better. It was just like, was like the worst time ever. Ted's yeah. like, what kind of special words of advice would you have? And then you had something that sounded really profound and it started cutting out. I'm like, of course, this is when of it course, cuts out. Yeah. yeah. No, what I, what I was saying was for me, um, it started way back when I even birthed Godsmack. Like before Godsmack, I was just a drummer playing in several different bands, grinding my way through the industry and trying to make something for myself. But it wasn't until the last band before Godsmack self-destructed and broke up um, that 
you know, I had stopped music for about a year or so, and I had always kind of had these internal struggles. And then, you know, I, I had lost a friend of mine even back then um, to suicide because of this kind of thing. And I found myself sitting on the floor one day in my girlfriend's bedroom when she was at work, and I was kind of just writing down in a journal, you know, how I felt about this whole thing. And that became my first song that I ever wrote. And to this day, I've never recorded it. Maybe one day I will, but as of now, I, I just haven't yet. Wow. Um, but that song and those words coming out of my body is what really started to help me understand because at that moment I had a real breakdown and cried and, you know, I, I was really kind of um, flushing it out. But I immediately felt better. You know, I still yeah. missed them and I, I lost who I lost. But it, it relieved that pain a little bit. And I think it was the first time I identified that, like, I really have this gift to be able to vent my emotions through now. And so I've learned that with people, the best advice I can give them is get it out of your body. Even if you don't talk about it, write it in a piece, you know, write it in a journal, <clears throat> sometimes even just passing those feelings through a pencil onto a piece of paper can sometimes make you feel a lot better as long as you're really honest with your feelings, even to the point of embarrassment. And so I think that's the biggest piece of advice I could give anyone is like start talking about it and understand that you, once you do you're going to find a world of people out there that are going through the same struggles maybe different situations but yep. same feelings and pain doesn't know situations it doesn't it know how to uh, it doesn't know how you know um, deter or, or, or determine what situation is what or what you know what is more uh, painful, whatever. It's just pain is pain. And so it's important that people learn how to release that. And I think once they start doing that, they'll actually find a way to be empowered by it. Because when you start to see that your story inspires someone else to snap out and become vocal about theirs, then all of a sudden you're in a different position and you start to become an inspiration. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's the best advice I could give people is like, don't internalize it because suffering in silence is the worst possible thing. It never goes away. You'll never figure it out. It has to come out in order for even yourself to understand it. Dude, it's funny you said it because like uh, the aha moment in my life, I remember I was always that type of person battle with depression or battle with whatever and just kept it internalized because I was embarrassed by it or whatever it may be. And then every once in a while I would let something out on the air or whether it be on our radio show or on our podcast that we do in front of a microphone and I would say something. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have shared that. And then the feedback would be next level where it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. I didn't, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not alone in having these insecurities from other people. And it would just make, it was like this weird like you know uh, you're you're uh, relating to what i'm saying and that makes me relate to what you're saying and it made me feel so much better about sharing those things whereas i used to try and internalize them that's why when i see people on facebook and typically i hate social media but when i see people on facebook share some of their struggles it makes i'm so happy that they do because it's an opportunity for them like you're saying put it out there into the universe, get it out of your body and just like, let go of it. And once I started realizing yeah, and you're that, gonna, you're going to also find a whole community, a whole world of yeah. people out there that are willing to share as well. And sometimes you'll even see that, you know, the struggles that they go through are, they kind of help minimize your own, you know, sometimes they're just so intense and you wouldn't believe what people endure and go mm -hmm. through and get to the other side. Listen, I'll tell you a quick story. 
Neil Peart is one of those guys, the drummer for Rush, yeah. probably the greatest drummer of all time. My sole inspiration on why I even became such a good drummer. And, you know, if anyone knows anything about Neil, um, he put out a book. And back in 1998, you know, he lost his child, his 17-year-old girl, um, after a visit to their lake house. Um, she came up to see them and, and drove home completely sober, no alcohol involved thing, and was in a single car accident. And so as him and his wife were battling and mourning the death of their child, um, all of a sudden the wife was diagnosed with terminal cancer 10 months later, and then poof, she was gone. Oh and so this guy, you know, lost his entire world. His dog died after that. His best friend went to jail for dealing weed or something. And then... You know, all of a sudden he found he had this incredible support team around him, and then they all vanished. And wow. so he got on his motorcycle, and he drove, I think it was something like 50-something 50, 50 thousand miles in 14 months. He just driving. Just He needed to be mobile. He needed to be in motion. He found that that was what was helping him, and he would write in his journal. <clears throat> and for 14 months, he never got off his bike, and he just rode all the way across Canada, the States, you know, Belize, Mexico, whatever, and um, in search of a reason to live. Um, and when you read his, when I read his story, that's where the song Serenity came from. It was based on that book that I read um, of his. It's called Ghost Rider. But it was the story that inspired me. It wasn't so much the tragedies. It was like, wow, someone can go through this and have their entire world stripped away from them overnight. And still the human spirit has a way of reaching down inside and finding a reason to live and to carry on. And since then, you know, he's been able to rebuild his life, find a new life, have another child. And I'm sure it doesn't bring his old family back, but it was just inspiring to see that you can move on even when the most tragic things happen. It's just about getting it out of your body and really processing it and, and allowing you know, the help that's available out there to help you. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, man. And uh, people go to godsmack.com slash Scars Foundation. I went there and I uh, went to donate, and one of the first things I saw on the side, you know, some people put, like, comments, and one of the ones that just struck me and it just hit me in my, just right in the stomach, I was just like, I never thought of it this way. He was talking about depression. The guy referred to it as an invisible killer, and I'm like, man, that's such a, a heavy way to describe it, and it's so true. Uh, and anyone yeah. that goes there and donates will also get a download uh, of the song as well, which I thought was uh, is really great as well. Yeah, and we're we're doing a lot more stuff for gifting people and stuff. Depending on their donations, you know, we're going to have m much better things on the way. But more importantly, we're going to start creating concerts and events and color runs and speaking and. Um, you know, we're going to really try to make the Scars Foundation something more than just something that raises money, but, be, you know, really starts to become a voice. And I think if, with all these people um, that, that are coming out to be able to tell their part, you know, they're going to be really the street team for this whole thing. And I think that's what's going to help make a difference is to really empower people and give them a voice. I got to ask you yeah. a, a silly question just because uh, I'm a fellow drummer and I know that you're just such a great drummer. It's always fun watching you when you you and Shannon just go go off. And last year at Pain in the Grass, our big radio show, we had Stone Temple Pilots there and they invited me on stage and I got to do sex type thing on drums with them, which was 
a next level experience. And I've, I was just curious, since I know you're a drummer, is there a band that you would love to get that invite to jump up on stage and play with? And what song would you play with them? It, there's only two bands that I would love, love, love to do that with. And unfortunately, both of them aren't around anymore. One of them would be Led Zeppelin yeah. and the other one would be Rush. Because I literally spent my entire childhood, like John Bonham and Neil Peart were my drum instructors. I quit school over that. <laughs> I quit family. <laughs> I quit relationships. I literally sat home with, you know, a pair of headphones strapped on my head and learned the yep. entire Rush catalog. And I did not leave my room until I figured out every nook and cranny of that stuff. Um, and I think the only time I went to school at that time, I was probably 15 years old, is when I was on to Exit Stage Left, and uh-huh. that part of that album came on where they do the trees and Xanadu, and there's wood blocks in that song, and I didn't have wood blocks, so I went to school and I stole the wood blocks. <laughs> and wrapped, <laughs> I wrapped them in a blanket, and I took them home, and, um, you know, and then I continued my, my lessons with, uh, with Neil Peart, so... <laughs> Dude, I love. Uh, I respect that man. I have a '70s era Ludwig kit. I refuse to play anything else, and it's all because of John Bonham with the 24-inch kick. It's just a, yeah. it's a forever tribute to that man. I, I, I get that. I got to ask you a dumb question. We were just talking about it yesterday on our show, and uh, I was saying how a life goal of mine would be to play on stage while pyro is going on around me. What does it feel yeah. like to have pyro while you're performing on stage? It seems next level. Yeah, well, we, we've always, I, I'm a real believer in not overdoing anything. Like, I try not to, you know, there's, there's bands out there that just every song is bang, 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 and right. whatever. You know, we try to strategically play stuff. So, you know, this song has a great lighting move, and this song has a good pyro moment, and this song is more of a sing-along and a real interactive part with the crowd. I like to try to place things and not overdo it. Um, so when they hit, it's important and it feels important. Not yep. that it's just like, okay, after the third song, you're like, okay, I've seen about enough bombs as I can see. Um, but it's, it's fun, you know, and when those moments hit, if you use them wisely like that, they become really powerful. Um, and the flames are really hot. <laughs> so. <laughs> Dude, you feel them on the lawn. If you're at like a show at like White River yeah. Amphitheater, I'm on the lawn, and I'm like, I still feel the heat. I can't even imagine it's, what it's like for the drummer. Yeah, or, you feel them at sporting events when they go off. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, we have this new uh, pyro company we just hired, and um, they have a different flame system that we're using that they're just fatter and wider and taller. And I got to tell you, man, when they shot him off for the first time on this tour, I literally looked down at my arm because I thought it singed all the hair off of it. So they're pretty hot. (laughs) That's incredible. My man, thank you uh, for taking some time out with us. Again, it's the Scars Foundation. Go to Godsmack.com slash Scars Foundation. Also, uh, check out the new song, of course, uh, Under Your Scars. Latest single from your album, When Legend Rise. Another record that, another non-disappointment from Godsmack. You guys always deliver. Thank you very much, man. We're looking forward to seeing you guys again soon. Thanks for all the support. Always, yeah, always, dude. Thanks for uh, taking the time. So I know you're. I know you're in Canada. When uh, do, you, do you have an idea of when you be coming here to the states and come to the Seattle area? I don't have the routing yet, but I do know that we're going to be doing. Um, we we go to Europe after this in June, and then we have a series of festival shows in July. I don't know exactly where all of them are yet. Okay, but then I do know that we are in discussions right now with a very cool band who I'm not going to mention yet that if it all comes through, we'll be doing a full U.S. tour again September, October. 
so I'm positive you'll be seeing us latest by the fall. All right, well, the Northwest would love to see you again. <clears throat> awesome, for sure. Man. We love it up there. <laughs> well, thanks again, man, and thanks for doing what you're doing with uh, mental health. That's uh, very appreciated. Uh, I, I know I speak on behalf of a lot of people here at the station and a lot of our listeners. Yeah, our pleasure, man. We'll talk soon, guys. All right, take All care. Right, thanks, dude. Bye. Ah, that was great. He's awesome. I know. It's awesome. And it's, it's unbelievable. I don't know if he understands how important he is to our megacast. I know. I almost mentioned it, and I was like, he's not going to care. He has nothing to do with it. He's like, wait, he's, he's just taken this phone call twice for these dudes in five years. <laughs> he's got a piece of paper that says, call Steve, and now Ted. Here's the number. It's in Seattle. And you're like, remember back in 2014, June of 2014, you brought Ted and I together to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's about mental health in your band. But can we make it more about Steve and I? <laughs> so great. I just love, it's just the typical when Murphy's Law moment. Can you give us some words of wisdom if you're battling depression? And I didn't want to be like, ah, man, I don't want to disrupt this guy's flow. But it got worse and worse, the call. I didn't know what to do. I'm so happy, Steve, you just took control and said, all right, I'll say something. Because Steve and I are just looking at each other like, what do we do? Like, I didn't want to move. Was I affected it? And then like 20 seconds into it, I'm trying to put my foot out the window, trying to make that. No, I'm like looking at Ted. I'm like, I think it's getting better. And then it got worse. And I'm like, crap. This is actually seems like he's speaking from the heart. Do we just yes. act like we heard what he said to not have him repeat it? Or do I have to be the, I just like, I got to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, whatever, man. That was cool, man. That was, that was obviously, <laughs> that, I mean, that was, that was, yeah, yeah, mm, that was, it was different than a typical interview. I think with, with Godsmack, because we talked a lot of heavy stuff, but man, learned a lot of cool, interesting stories. Like I did not know the, the, the rush story with Neil Parrott about. Neither did I. That's why I, I mean, I didn't even realize he was such a big fan. Yeah. Like, oh, you interviewed Sully from Godsmack. Now we're talking about Rush. Yeah, Taryn's going to love that. I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> What's What's up, we're going to have to text her and be like, Taryn. <laughs> and I did not know that the song Serenity is based about off Neil of... Pert riding around on his motorcycle. Right. I got to go back and listen to that. It's always funny when you hear the... I, I'm not a lyrics guy. I don't know how... You probably are more than me. Uh, but I don't pay I'm attention. bad with lyrics, too. I yeah. just kind of like songs. I like the feeling. Yeah. And sometimes I'm getting a feeling out of a song that has nothing to do with what they're singing about. So I just, I never really talk about lyrical content with artists because of that. A little Pearl Jam, I could kind of, I zone in on some of their songs. But, I mean, I've listened to Serenity a million times, and I dig the song, and I dig the vibe of it. It's kind of, kind of a cool mid-tempo vibe to it, but... I never paid attention to the lyrics other than serenity. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> now I'm going to go back and listen to that. Cause I kind of know the story. Yeah, you know the story. Yeah. We heard it from him. Yeah. It's good. It is. It's awesome. That I, I honestly, I don't know what I expected, but that was great. He's so cool, man. I, I mean, really, what do we ask? Like three things. And he yeah. talked and I mean the, the stuff, what he's doing with the scars foundation is really cool. And, and shout out to those guys for doing something like that. It's interesting that he's tackling physical scars and mental scars you know you hear a lot about like okay the people battling depression but i I do dig that they're talking about the depression that happens because of sometimes physical issues yeah right and i mean right like he's talking about like you know i mentioned like the military whatever but like right losing a limb or something that has a huge effect on people yeah you know or or you know what's the the news and the story today people having strokes or whatever and they have their face can i mean that that's hard stuff to go through that's scary and it's happening and like i mean not that you know, any ages, but when you hear about someone in their 40s having a stroke and you're like, yeah, my 40s, like that's scary. Right. And yeah. we know somebody that had one and they recovered and stuff. Yes. And then you look at uh, John Singletary, like he died from it. Singleton. Singleton. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Single, I, that sorry. Was, that's dude, that, that, that was Singleton. nuts because 
I mean, he's he's in good shape. 50s? Yeah, he's fifty one. Fifty one. Love sailing, diving. Which, I I don't know why. Like I, I mean, higher learning came out forever ago, and he's yeah. only fifty one. Like yeah. I would have assumed that when that movie came out, he was fifty one. You know what I mean? Because it's such a. I mean, it's an incredible film. You don't think of somebody that's young that has the capability to put out something that great. No offense to the young. Yeah, or Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood as well. Yeah, Poetic Justice. What was it? Michael Rappaport in Higher Learning. That's like, that's an intense role. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that yeah. was just like, Jesus. If you haven't seen that movie, check it out. But that was sad, man, yesterday with, uh, with, uh, with Singleton that it got reports that he died. Then two minutes later, there's reports that he's still alive. And it's like that that a wave of emotions, like, oh my gosh, he's not he's not dead. Maybe he could pull through this and then like ten minutes later, like he passed. Yeah, well, like when I right, the first thing I read was that his family had pulled him off life support. Yep. And then right, then it's basically it's, a matter of time. I mean, I'm sure there's some percentage, but it's gotta be very small of people that rally out of that. And super sad just how like the family's all arguing over the estate already. And yeah, it's just like just gosh like, almighty, man. Yeah. Like, show some respect to a person who just passed. Yeah. Ugh. Well, anyways, thanks to Erna, and uh, yeah, it looks like maybe September or October we'll be seeing them. Um, nice, yeah, that was a little sneak peek. Yeah, yeah, we get we get stuff out. We get of the Sully. info. I like talking to Sully, man. Like at first, I was like, oh man, I'm just nerding out about hockey, and I was like, no, 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 no. he's not calling in to talk about the Bruins. Although we probably could have done that for a minute. Yeah, but I didn't want to. I didn't have the heart to tell him I hate the Bruins and I want to <laughs> lose. <laughs> And then BJ is always like, he's like, why do you hate them? Like, because I'll root for the Capitals because you're a Capitals fan. Right. I'll root for, reluctantly, sometimes the Penguins because J-Max a Penguins fan, and so on and so forth, right? The Bruins is the one team I never root for. And BJ's like, man, I thought I was your friend. I'm like, yeah. I was like, honestly, any other person, like, if you, had a, if you were a fan of any other team, I would root for them out of respect to you. And he's like, well, what is it about the Bruins? I go, this is so stupid. I need to get this... I have a grudge with the Bruins because they beat the Devils back in 1988 in the semifinals. Yeah. The conference finals. That works. But that was the first time the Devils ever made it to the playoffs. They beat the Blackhawks in overtime, I believe. Johnny McClain scored a goal. I was young, 88, right? Finally made the playoffs. Sean Burke, rookie season, came in hot, won like 12 of his first 13 games. Like He came in at the end of the season and just carried the team on his back as a goalie. They win the first round, I think, against the Islanders. Now they're taking on the Bruins. If they win, they go to the Stanley Cup Finals. This is amazing. And they lose to the Bruins, and I've hated them ever since. Talk about a grudge. Since 1988, the Devils have won three Stanley Cups since then. But that was the team that made me really yeah. fall in love with the devil. It's sometimes for sports teams. There's just a reason, right? Like, I have no legit reason to dislike Ohio State. I just always have. No, nothing. I mean, I think just as a kid, just <laughs> right, the Michigan-Ohio State game was always a massive game. And I just decided I liked Michigan better. And, right? But to this day, I'll be like, oh, I hate Ohio State. And he's like, why? And I'm like, I, I don't even really have a reason. Going back to what Sully's saying, I have a journal from like 15 years ago. Okay. Right? And there's an entry in there where I'm watching. So it's like talking about my life and what I want to do and my career. But I must have been watching that game because out of the blue, it just goes, by the way, I hate Ohio State. And I underlined hate twice. So I think I was just watching the game. Just like hell with Ohio State. You did react. Obviously, people aren't in here. We don't have cameras in this room. When he mentioned writing it in a journal, you reacted very positively. Like visually, yeah. you were like, yeah, dude, that's totally spot on. With yeah, that word. And I look, I, I feel like <laughs> I didn't know we were going to go full circle to Ohio, Ohio State. State with this. Right? this is hilarious. Yeah. So I just kind of unreasonably dislike Ohio State. 
I mean, it's like Notre Dame. Yep. I just decided as a kid I like the Miami teams better. That's fun. It's funny though. That's just what you, uh, dude. Yeah. I, I can't make fun of you. I became a Seahawks fan because Steve Largent was on Monday Night Football as a star player for the Seahawks. I'm like, that's my team. His name is Steve. Yeah. So and that, that's why I fell in love with the Dodgers originally because of Steve Garvey. Granted, I don't love baseball as much as football, so I kind of bounced around with teams. And also, Steve Garvey then went to the Padres, so then I became a Padres fan. And then after he was done, that's I dedication. Because oh. it's hard to see those teams back in the day. Dude, the Padres, I mean, they had one decent run, 1984. That's part of why I hate the Detroit Tigers still to this day. Yeah. Who did the Padres lose to in the World Series? The Detroit Tigers. Wow. That is deep. I like it. That's where my anger is. Uh, I'm just glad that I didn't fall in love with Steve Young before Steve Largent. Yeah, then you'd been a Niners fan. Oh, the horror. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. I know you got work to do, uh, but this has been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, does this count? Is this our podcast? I mean, yeah. What are we doing? We did, what, 30, 40 minutes? Almost 40 minutes. All right. We Next put time, work. though, we talk about we that wrestling show. What do you want to Oh, we have a couple minutes. If you have a couple minutes. I, I just got to say, I don't, like, it's interesting. Now we're talking about Viceland. Um, uh, what's it? The dark side. Dark of, side of the ring? Of the ring, yes. Yeah, right? Okay. So I knew about some of this stuff. I did not know the Bruiser Brody thing. The Bruiser Brody one's the best one so far. Yeah, but watching the Montreal Screwjob one yep. is kind of interesting. Too. I just, overall, I was just going to say, I don't know that it paints wrestling in the best no. light. And I shouldn't say wrestling. It paints the wrestlers, makes them much more humanized. But it, I, had, I was not a fan of Vince McMahon in kind of WWE already. Yeah. Like, it does not make you like them anymore. It shows the carny side of wrestling, especially in those days. That's what they always, I mean, wrestling stems from carnivals, right? So they yeah. call carnies. And some of those guys are just the lowest of the low, just want to bamboozle you for money, whatever. I mean, money was the root of a lot of why Bruiser Brody was murdered. And nobody wanted to say anything. Right, because he was going to get part of that deal, right? Right. Yeah. And the only person, look. In life, I think we could all strive to be the Tony Atlas in our friendships. Like, he, to me, came off, so far in all of the documentaries, has come off as the ultimate, that's the friend you want in life. The man who's there by his side, and still to this day, is willing to speak up against what happened to Bruiser Brody. And it's on YouTube if you type in, if you don't even have Viceland, just type in Bruiser Brody Vice. Yeah. And you'll be able to find that document. It's about 40 minutes. It's worth it. The Screwjob one is funny, because, I don't know if you noticed... They had, they talked to a lot of people like who was involved behind the scenes to screw over Bret Hart. And the the real quick backstory is Bret Hart was going to leave WWE or WWF and go to WCW, but he was the champ at the time. He did not want to lose in Montreal because he's Canadian. So he didn't want to lose the title there. He says, I'll I'll relinquish the title. I'll, I'll do whatever you want, but don't let me lose in Montreal. And they didn't believe that he would be a man of his word. So they screwed him over, quote unquote, by having uh, Shawn Michaels put his finisher on on Bret Hart, a, a submission hold, and the referee quickly caused, rang the bell saying he submitted, even though he didn't, so that he would right. lose the and belt. And him and Shawn Michaels don't like each other. Yeah. It's like a disrespect doing the same, using the guy's own move on him. The whole story is pretty crazy. And, and the rationale. But then some of the guys that created it are arguing about who came up with the idea. And that one old dude's like, I'll piss on his grave. Like That to me was the funniest part. You have Bruce Pritchard. And you have, um, uh, crap, um, what the hell is it? Jim Cornette. Yeah. Both taking credit for it, but both in saying that they wish they never did it. So yeah. both are like saying, I don't want, I, I kind of don't want to be associated with it, but it was my fault. 
Yeah, it was my idea. And they're both arguing over who was the guy that screwed over Brett. It's such a stupid argument. Yeah. The whole thing, that was a good one. The Macho Man one was kind of like a, I don't know. If, if you had to miss one, that's the one to miss. Yeah, like the Macho Man one, too. It's just like, man, why do you have to put that much of the man's real life into yeah. it? That's where I was like, that's kind of shady. Yeah. That seemed unnecessary. It was it was very uncomfortable to watch in some parts. Oh, my the, gosh. Yeah. The guy's not alive, so you can't really. Neither of them are. No, it's yeah. true. It's a sad story about him and, and Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, dude, you're right. I mean, it is called The Dark Side, so I don't know what I expected. But, like, yeah, this weekend I was in the house on Sunday after, after Sounders, and I had time. And I was just like, all right, like, I'm going to get into these. And I was like, yep. this is depressing. <laughs> yes, dude. None, you don't leave those going like, man, that was awesome. Wrestling is great. It's like, wow, what an effed up world these people are living in. Yeah. yeah but, I, I mean, that's what they did, and that was the dark side of it all. And I, I'm looking forward, though, to say I, I am enjoying so far, two oh, it's a great three. series. Yeah. It's it's riveting TV. I highly recommend you watch it or look it up on YouTube. Whatever. You don't have to be a wrestling fan. They do Not a great job of making it layman's terms. In fact, some wrestling fans that's a complaint that they, they take like they they kind of gloss over certain things. But you have to. You have a forty minute. Well, piece. and they do a good job of explaining like this is why this is a big deal. Yeah. And I get it. If you're a super wrestling fan, if you watch it every week, some of their details are going to seem ridiculous and too small. Right. You know. But like they. They're going after people that kind of watch it. And that's and I'm all in favor of that. Anything that can make wrestling more mainstream popular, which would be great, because now Vice is going to possibly do another show that they they have been recording, but I didn't think it was ever going to see the light of day. This guy, Damien, he's like a punk rocker guy. He actually came to a Defy show and did like a whole video of interviewing people and, and, and a piece on it, but it's never seen the light of day, but he does stuff with Vice. And it looks like because the success of the Stark side of the ring is happening, they're going to put that show out as well. And it's basically this guy who's super entertaining, super likable guy. You'd love Damien. If he and ever comes and to- with, what's going on now with technology and different networks? Like, yeah. I think the, the independent wrestlings have a real shot. Dude, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, All Elite Wrestling is going to do. Now, yeah. now that the rumor is that they're going to be on Turner. Uh, which is yeah, fire it back up. TBS or TNT. Yeah, it's gonna be. I don't think they're ever going to. And it's gonna take a long time to beat WWE. Nor do I want to see anyone beat anyone. I just want to see more quality. And competition brings out quality. So I'm okay with WWE stepping up their game because all of a sudden, you know, AEW is doing well with 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 their show. But I don't think they're going at it in the sense of they're not trying to compete with WWE. They're just trying to put out a really fun wrestling product that's different than the WWE. I don't think they're going to try and do like a Monday Night Wars thing. I think they're going to find their niche and just make it really freaking yeah, awesome. And it's just good for the wrestlers. Oh, right? yes. Because let's be honest, right now WWE is like a monopoly. And you're seeing a lot of these wrestlers are asking for their release. Yeah, you don't have a choice. So, right, I, I mean, I'm just in favor of everybody having more opportunities, right? That's why I'd like to see another football league. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? I'd like to, I think it'd be cool if guys had another option. We're going to do uh, XFL when it comes? Might as well. I'm in. Game on. Yeah, let's, let's, I was all about that AAF, but it didn't last. Well, now we got a Seattle team here at the XFL. What's that, next season? Next spring, I think, yeah. It starts in February? Yeah. Yeah, hey, man. Saturdays? To, right. Any reason to go tailgate, I'm in. Oh, we'll have to make a day out of it. One of our yes. slumber party days. Yeah, man. Just go balls out. I mean, that's how I ended up at Supercross this year. It's like, oh, there's tailgating? <laughs> we are going to be the biggest Seattle XFL fans. Yes. X. 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 And what the team name going to be? I haven't looked it up yet. I don't think they have one yet. Maybe not. What would you go with? I have no idea. I mean, that's it's a extreme. tough one. Yeah. The bitch slaps. The bitch slaps. <laughs> Why not? 
<laughs> it should be the opposite. Like, there's the Seahawks. The XFL has the Canaries. I was thinking like sea monsters. We're the sea monsters. I don't think, eventually, something in this town's going to be called the Kraken. That's what I want, Steve. I'm okay with the XFL doing it. All I right. want the NHL to do it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I still say just for the intros. All right, let's go and get on out of here. We won't yeah, do man. the push-ups. We'll just bail on out. But uh, you yeah. can follow us on the Megacast at the Megacast on Twitter. You can always reach us on the emails. Just go to KSW's website or on social media. Just look us up. Uh, but thank you, as always, for, for listening to our podcast. And thanks to Sully Erna for Erna. Yeah, and shout out to anybody that tuned in to hear Sully. Hope you stuck around. Yeah, and hey, tune into future episodes. If you thought this was awful, we only get worse. Yeah, it'll get weirder. Yes. We're two men who have a very interesting relationship with each other. Mm, to say the least. Now let's go cuddle.